We're Not Dead, a podcast about a story of survival. To episode 43 of We're Not Dead, the official community podcast for We're Alive. I am your host, Brittany Brahmarakarakar, and I'm joined by my co host, Nick Voodoo. Yay, Nick Voodoo! Yay! We were lazy last week. We didn't have bees to edit our podcast, so we're it's like, true. we're not going to do one. Yeah, that, no. No no podcast without the bees. No, yeah, but he was out camping in some mountain. I think he was trying to prove to the world that he's a man or something. I don't quite understand. Did did he did he cut things down and shoot things and fish and and hunt and, and skin animals and live off the land? I don't know. Yes. Did he? I, I don't know. Did you Maybe. wipe your butt with a with a pine cone? Oh, that would hurt so bad. <laughs> I hope if you did, you pulled the correct way. Oh gosh, could you imagine? Ouch. Oh, terrible. So we, Nick, have a few episodes to talk about. 32.2 and 32.3, where a lot of shit went down. Oh, really? There's shit that went down? Shit went down. We have some people dying. We have some romances. I got... I was told wrong, well, not told wrong, one of my predictions went haywire about a love romance. And and one of mine went so very right. I know, I know. I, okay, bef- okay, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll, okay, we'll so definitely get there. I will, we'll just briefly go over 32-2, and then that leads right into 32-3. Absolutely. So, all right. So, as we left off with 32-1, Victor was in the tank, the water tanker, and Bixby was like, I know you're in there. Uh-oh. So, uh, ultimately, Bixby recognizes Victor, and together they sneak through some backyards, and they are, Victor is led inside a small yellow house. And who showed up? Gatekeeper! Gatekeeper! He showed up all bruised and scarred up, and his right eyes, like, missing. It was not good. Poor no, gatekeeper. definitely not. Yeah, you know what? Um, yeah, really, really bad for Gatekeeper. We'll not get to that. We'll get to that and what we all think about it, but, you know, mm-hmm. that sucks. That does. Uh, we found out that Victor was supposed to meet Clinton there, but uh, Clinton tried to break into the armory, and therefore he was offed. So that's why there was no Clinton involved. So Gatekeeper's questioning Victor about why would you even want to come here, and Victor says, "Well, you know, we have someone of they have someone of ours." But before they go, in, before he goes into too much detail about that, he uses the radio and tells everyone that he's a okay. Glenn says Victor can trust Gatekeeper, and as soon as Victor agrees and tries to tell everybody, yeah, I think we can trust Gatekeeper too, he only gets static, and then he starts shitting himself. <laughs> so the scenes cuts to Saul and CJ, who are being chased by zombies, but they aren't shooting them because CJ says no. So to take cover, they run into an auto shop, and the zombies are banging on the door, causing a lot of noise. So Saul opens up the door for uh, six inches, which was a really good line. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Nick's like, yeah. <laughs> CJ hacks off all but one of the zombie's legs, and that, she says, causes them to bleed out. Oh. Hmm. <gasps> Everyone, Intrigue. little light bulb or flint or whatever, depending on how smart you are, went off at that point. Candle. Yep, candle. There you go. CJ eventually cuts off the remaining zombie's leg, and they make it back to the van, park it in a, quote, better spot, and decide they need to sleep in the car to remain safe. So then they're all they're all talking. They're like, "Yeah, we're safe." And Victor and Gatekeeper are talking with Saul and CJ, and they're all having a great um, airwave kumbaya, if you will. Kumbaya, so, yes, my lord. We learn about some of the numbers. We learn that there are ninety original colony members, 
And they brought in 20 slaves. The Maulers brought in 20 slaves, and they're all without weapons, and minus the one that Victor has. And there's about mm-hmm. 30 Maulers at the colony. Regarding Lizzie, CJ asks if they can confirm she's even still alive, and they find out that she's being kept at the hospital, but she's always being guarded by a huge Mauler. Mm. We find out with the lookouts, Gatekeeper has a few men he can trust to put in the guardian positions. And regarding the sat phone, we learn that it shouldn't be difficult to retrieve after dark. And regarding, <laughs> <laughs> I get right. the feeling that's going to become a little bit harder in about, oh, say, 10 minutes. I know. So regarding some assistance at the cargo gate, there's no one that Gatekeeper knows that they can trust. So Gatekeeper can't guarantee a number, the number of people that would revolt against the Maulers should they try to start some shit. And then CJ later calls the entire plan to get Lizzie a lost cause because they don't have enough knowledge on their side. So Saul, of course, is not going to take this as an answer. So he takes her notes and tries to figure out a way to get Lizzie, while CJ is like, well, how do you know if something isn't up between her and someone else? What if it's not your baby? And Saul's pretty much trying to assure her that everything's okay, no matter what. CJ then says, it's a lot to risk when you have other options, and plants a big one right on Saul. Mwah. All right, I admit it. She was she wanted his nuts. I didn't really see it, but now, honestly, yes. le- leading up to this point, I'm like, okay, all right, she totally wants his nuts. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I get it. I was wrong. Definitely. Yeah. Balls across the nose. No. Um, no. <laughs> again, that's like, again, what would be the reason why she would get naked in that other chapter part? The only reason is to say, hey, look, I am here. And then she literally says, look, I am here. Mm-hmm. And it it's so bad. You the know, the situation way I look is at so it, bad. My excuse is that I think like a guy, and therefore I couldn't pick up on those hints, just like Saul couldn't think pick up on those hints. So I guess that means that I think like a girl, and therefore we are still a perfectly yin-yang podcast. Yes. Awesome. Great. I feel emasculated. <laughs> so uh, Saul did not like the kiss. He ultimately gets pissed off. He said he's done with CJ, and he radios into everyone, meaning their little kumbaya airwave group. He says, arm everybody, they will fight. The plan is to get gatekeepers trusted two guards to guard the back entrance, which will only leave one original Mahler guard, and they can take him out with no problem. Gatekeeper will then get the message out that night, and all will be good and happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Gatekeeper pulled every string and did everything he could to spread the word. The guardians were in position, CJ and Saul were in position, but then someone knocks on the door of the house that Victor and Gatekeeper are in, and I think Bixby was in there too at the yep, time. Yep, he is. Yep, okay. he's there still. Yep. Someone knocks on the door and tells them that everyone is meeting up in the parking lot behind the hospital. The Maulers are taking rule. Now, was that Tardis? That was yes, talking? it was. That's what I thought, too. Okay. So that was 32-2. So then we jump right into 32-3, where a lot of more shit went down. Nah, this, this, and honestly, I don't think too much happened. I Really, what happened that was out of the ordinary? They just, like, talked in the parking lot, right? Oh, yeah, that's it. Oh, so the podcast stopped after like eight minutes, right? Yeah, yeah, nothing exciting happened, but oh. you know, I think we need to recap it anyway. So, oh, okay, I, okay. go ahead. I, maybe I missed something. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so we jump into thirty-two-three now, and because of the role they're taking, all the guards are swapping places, including the in guards gatekeeper talked to. So this kind of fucks everything up. Oh. Victor stays inside of the house for a minute or two because he's hiding out because obviously no one's supposed to know he's even there. But because he doesn't want Saul and CJ to have to lose the van due to the swapping of the guards and all that other mumbo-jumbo, he decides he needs to go out on foot to see just what the Maulers are up to, if they're just doing a head count, or what. So Victor lurks nearby and listens to the roll call. 
So we find out, now we're looking at the perspective of Lizzie and Bricks, that uh, Bricks gave Darai the tape first thing in the morning, that morning, the tape where it shows Scratch kind of like offing Angel. You remember that, right? Oh, yeah, that's the only thing I do remember from this season is that Angel got a, <laughs> Angel got shot in the face. You bastard. And it made me very happy. Okay, so this is kind of funny. I'm reading my recap, and now a lot of shit started going down at this point. So this is what my recap says. We find out that Bricks gave Dur- – because I write my recap as I listen to the episode. We find out mm-hmm. that Bricks gave Durai the tape first thing in the morning, and everyone is accounted for. All caps. Oh, no. Durai grabs Scratch's <laughs> knife, and she's like, oh, hi. You can have my knife. Oh, no. <laughs> He says someone has been acting out of control and that all of them came out of Eastern Bay and, ah, Bricks is going to die. He is so going to die. It is Scratch. Oh, my God. Jirai found out about what Scratch did to Angel. Oh, my God. You killed a member of the family. I've seen the tape, end quote. <laughs> Scratch can, knew... Wait, wait, wait. Can, can all of our recaps be your actual stream of consciousness without you, like, editorializing it and making it make sense? Because that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be really funny. I can, like, listen to the part of the, the episode and then, like, recap five seconds later. Okay, so now they're standing at roll call. That would be fun. <laughs> um, so at this point, obviously, Scratch knew that Bricks screwed her over. Durai said that Angel's father was a dear member of Durai. So now to set the scene, all of the, the members of the colony, the slaves, the original people, whatever, they're all kind of, like, standing in a circle facing each other. And now I think Durai and Scratch are standing in the middle kind of talking back and forth. That's how I have no, it. I think I think they're in a line. They're all in a line. Okay. Yeah, they because because th- Lizzie's so. um, uh, narration just before shit really starts going down mm-hmm. is uh, that Dry went to point the gun at the person that stepped out of line. Okay. So that I think that be- everyone I think everyone's in sort of like a military. St- Stanley. Stanley! Uh, Stanley, yeah, because I know she said everyone was facing each other, but then I was thinking later, because you know how your mind just paints a mental image. I said, well, oh, if, yeah, absolutely. It, wouldn't it be smart? It would not be smart if they had the entire like colony surrounding those two, you know? But that makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, okay, so Scratch at this point knew it was Bricks. Durai and Scratch are going at it. Durai says the Angel's father was a dear friend of Durai's. Not to mention Durai is pissed off that she killed the doctor that tried to help Angel, seeing as he was the only good doctor in the colony. Rest in peace, Jason. Yay, Jason. He instructs Scratch to take off her ring and hand it over. At this point, Scratch, like, somehow manages to sweet talk, and by sweet talk, I mean scream at everyone, you know, saying, I did this, I did this, I did this, at everyone, which then converts them with Scratch and against Durai. And then here's my conscious typing. And oh, she stabbed yeah. Durai. Oh, my fucking God. He, she stabbed Durai as he turned to point his gun at the mall or he stepped forward. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> yep. Yep. So anyway, so, uh, you know, as Durai's pointing his gun at a mall or who's kind of like, yeah, Scratch is right. Scratch grabs that hidden knife that Nick mentioned. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, never- indeed. Yep, you never want to figure out the knife. She grabs the knife, puts it in his back, twists it, and that's not good. Chest. All hell then breaks loose. Right in the chest. Oh, was it was in the chest? I thought it was oh, the back. Oh, right in the chest. Stabbed him right in between the lungs. Oh, okay. There we go then. So anyway, and point being, he got stabbed. Oh, yeah. All, all hell broke loose. Everyone starts shooting at everyone. It's a clusterfuck. During this mess, Bricks tries to get Lizzie out of there, but you hear good old Jenna McComey, a.k.a. Scratch, yelling, Bricks! You hear a gunshot, and he's shot. So Bricks is now on the ground. He's telling Lizzie to run, and it looks like he was shot in a very bad spot. And yes. he, um, dies. We assume oh, he dies. Oh, yes, indeed. Oh, no. There was the, the sad piano music. He had to die. I know. I know. But, you know, it's just one of those, you know, as long as we know Kalani's still alive. <laughs> No, but for um, serious, I am assuming <laughs> Bricks is dead. I mean, hello. He, like, you can hear him 
taking his hand off the wound. You can hear the blood gushing the out. Squish. You get you, you get you the, squish. the squish. You get the yes. terrible, the terrible like you said piano music. It's very sad. Um, by the way, props to Blair Byhower. I thought she did an awesome job at that point portraying Lizzie. Absolutely. Nicely done. So, anywho, Victor radios to Saul to tell him that they're opening up the gate. Them meaning awesome colony people that are on their side. And meanwhile, Victor's going after Lizzie. So while CJ and Saul are waiting for the gates to open, the zombie friends are coming to the party. So, Who invited them? Seriously. I know. It's a question. Zombies are starting to get inside the inner gate, and it's not good. Ultimately, Victor gets Lizzie out of the way, and he tries to convince her that he's a good guy by telling her that he is Saul's friend, and he's reading off all these facts about Saul. She's like, someone could have told you. I think it was more of a denial thing at that point. Mm-hmm. But um, eventually, you know, he gets Saul on the radio. Saul yells, Blondie. Lizzie yells, Saul. And then it ends. Back out. That's it. That's it. Show's so over. Damn. No more. We'll never have a, res- a resolution to anything. Show's over. That's it. Nope, Go that's on. it. That was that was the season finale. The show yep. finale. The show okay. finale, not season finale. That no, show's over. No, nope. no more. We're life. It, it was. It was. We're life. I liked We're Life. It was a good show. Overall. It was a good show. Great. Yeah. And it just like The Sopranos did. By the way, if you haven't seen The Sopranos, sorry. I have not seen The Sopranos, but there was the last scene. It just like someone opens the door to like a diner where the the big mafia guy was sitting at his with his family, and then it just went to black. You never oh. know what happens. It's just black. That sucks. Yeah. Okay, well, so uh, there we go. I guess the first thing that people are talking about in the forums are Brick's death. Nick, what do you think about Brick's death? Uh, Brick's death is important storytelling wise because Brick's is her is Lizzie's protector. That's his entire purpose. It's been his entire purpose since August when he when Lizzie was kidnapped. So it's important that he's gone because now she doesn't That's have. Hmm. Now she has Saul. Now she has her Saul back. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's important that he's gone because now we can push forward into the, the remaining part of this story arc, which is either reuniting and getting them out, mm-hmm. or some of the other theories are reuniting and then getting them at, getting them captured. Alas, Be- the captured hearts line. Though. Right. Yeah. So what you know if 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 Scratch is successful after they reunite and they end up getting captured. All right. Well, um you know that's a very interesting story arc too, but it requires that Bricks not be around anymore. Bricks has served his purpose, which is keep her alive and keep her healthy, wealthy and wise until she can be taken care of again by mm-hmm. Saul. So Right. Sad to say, yes, Bricks is, Bricks did serve his purpose, um, and that that was pretty much the end of it. He did that. I I really hated to see him go. I really like Bricks as a character. But yeah, um, I, I definitely agree. But you know what? The other part of it that is really important is that Bricks is the one that prompted Darai mm-hmm. to lose control of the Maulers and yeah. put Scratch in power. So you we know, knew that yeah, was he, coming. I think we right, all knew that and, was coming. So now. We, it, it, it's kind of like, all right, now sub boss is gone. Now big boss is here. Now shit can really start going down even harder. <laughs> right, absolutely. Durai had to get taken out of the way, and we weren't sure how it was going to happen. We were almost positive it was going to have to be Scratch that does it, because you know how else is he going to die? But you know what brings it about? Well, it's Bricks. Bricks is the one that brings it about by trying to use the rules of the family against Scratch, and it backfires because Scratch is very good at what she does. She is very good. Why gotta yeah. give her props? 
Um, let's see. We have some comments regarding Burke's death. Hardcore says, wow, I totally did not see Burke's going out like that. I thought for sure he was going to get out with Lizzie. On the plus side, maybe Burke's going down means that there's more hope for Bert making it out. They have to go after him, right? I mean, Lizzie at least know he's, knows he's at the colony now, so she can bring it up. Liam says, Bricks went down way too cheap. Well, in the end, he was just another grunt or puppet, but he was a red shirt with a name at least. And then no, Diarrhea, no, which no, I guess no. supposed to sound like diarrhea, perhaps. Diarrhea, cha-cha-cha, <laughs> diarrhea, cha-cha-cha. You said, really thought Bricks would play a bigger role going forward. I'll miss the old big lug. R.I.P. Bricks. Definitely, so the- definitely will miss Bricks. Definitely will miss Bricks. I will. I will. You know, I, I could have seen him just being like an awesome, like, but you like you're right. Every character is in this story because they have a purpose, and I can't see what else his purpose would be now that I've yeah, seen how it's all gone down. Right? No, I can't. I can't imagine. And of course, obviously, this is hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course, it makes perfect sense that he's dead now. now Whereas it does. you know, like last week, we were or two weeks ago, we were saying, oh yeah, bricks could serve a purpose of some variety. We just don't know what bricks will serve um, a purpose. Saw will kill him. It'll become a big misunderstanding. Da, da, oh da, yeah, da. yeah. And and that always seems so sloppy to me, which is why I never really got behind the idea of what would happen. Or like them getting together and Bricks accident or Salt accidentally kills Bricks or whatever because I'm pretty sure that Lizzie would be able to stop him from doing that. But you know that this is a much cleaner way to right. end the character and project the story forward. Yeah, and on that note, sloppy or whatever, I did not see this going down. I did not see a roll call coming. I did not see kind of quote unquote civil war happening. That was a good twist. I really like that. Uh, one one forum member definitely did. Uh, o- Osiris said that this was this shit's going to be like the OK Corral. He predicted a lot more deaths, uh, and by sort of throwing that gigantic net over top of it, he got some of them right, because he called Dry and Bricks dying. He also called for, I think, uh, Lizzie to die, too, I think. Or maybe, maybe like, Saul, I think the whole list was, like, Saul, CJ, uh, Bricks, Dry, and I think he threw Lizzie in there, too, or maybe he said Bird, I can't remember which. Well, hey, I mean, it's not over yet, they're still in the colony, so there's they're they're still gunfire. All right, so, uh, Dry, now, a lot of people are assuming he's dead, some other uh, thoughts are that he's gonna be, like, on the brink of dying, they're gonna do, like, a public execution, what do you think about Dry? Dry's dead. Yeah. He got a knife implanted into his chest, he's dead. His chances of survival aren't very good. Um, let's see. We have another one yeah. from... Di- I'm just going to call this person Diarrhea. Diarrhea said, <laughs> Sad to see Diragon. He was an interesting and mysterious character. Glad it was him over Scratch, though. She has way more left to do. Merlin1274 says, Diarrhea is dead. The idiot should have had her silence and in chains before she could have even blinked an eye. Winston said, That was mistake number one for Diarrhea. Mistake number two was trying to hold a public execution. I thought his character was more intelligent than that. Once the Don makes the decision to kill a family member, there's no more to ha- there's no more time for talking. You just slit her throat and dump the body. Amateur. Have you and- ever seen... Um, do you have another one to read? I have one more. From a oh, witch right, doctor. It. He has a little skit here. He says, wow, Durai went out like a Bond villain. Durai. Hey, Scratch, I'm going to kill you. Scratch. Can I just say something? Dry. Sure, I was just kidding about wanting to do this quickly. Besides, I have all of your weapons. Just step within arm's reach of me so you can hand me your ring. <laughs> and you know what? That's exactly what something that I was going to bring up was. Have you seen that like gigantic list of if I ever become an evil overlord mm-hmm. that like trolls around the internet? Just like Google search at some point rules for like an evil overlord something like along those lines and there's a list of like 155 things that you uh-huh. should never ever do if you become an evil genius overlord <laughs> and most of it involves 
you know, if I have a gun, I don't need a slow-moving contraption to kill the hero. If I have a gun, I'm not going to give them a chance to talk. I'm going to shoot them in the face, and they're going to shoot them three more times to make sure they're dead. And I'm yeah. not going to leave it to, like, henchmen to do. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to, like, taking all those, like, movie cliches. Oh, totally. And, and just, like, listing them off and a, saying. A movie and intruders coming in. And you're like, shoot them! And they just kind of, like, walk up. Like, are they okay? Are they alive? And you're like, shoot them in the face. Right. Like, exactly. I'm just going to kick him and turn around and everything's okay. Exactly. But exactly. Um, so, Darai fell victim to all of those. Yeah. All of them. He did. Um, when I was listening to the scene, when um, Durai told Scratch, you know, I've heard that I've seen the tape and I heard Bricks go, uh oh, and I hear Scratch mumble Bricks. At that point, I just totally, I put myself in Bricks' position and I'm thinking to myself, Durai, I'm like, kill Scratch. Now, from a story perspective, I don't want Durai to kill Scratch. But at right. that moment, I was hoping for on Brick's sake or whatever. I was like, "Oh my god, I hope he kills Scratch. I hope he kills Scratch. I hope he kills Scratch." And, and then, then she started talking. talking, and I'm like, "Oh shit, this is totally gonna go the wrong way." I'm like, "No, I'm like, no, you know, Dry won't let that. He's just gonna kill her." And then boom. No, it, no, no. Down he goes. Down goes Frasia. Part of the mystique of Dry really started to go away in the last like two, three chapters. You didn't. Mo- you don't the- really like Dry that much now. Yeah, it's not even like I don't like the character, but that like really smooth talking like badass mm-hmm. that we met in like chapter 11 and 12 yeah he was gone and you see like all of his flaws in leadership and maybe it's just mm-hmm. the way that scratch reacts to him where she's not cowering in his presence like everyone mm-hmm. else seems to or like mm-hmm. but it just seemed like he didn't have any semblance of control anymore and that scratch really really did and mm-hmm. once you heard them talking, you're like, man, he's really not long for this world anymore. She's going to fuck him up. Oh, absolutely. That was, just, you know, yeah. As soon as she started talking, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> All right. Um, we got some more, uh, you can't even call it like hardcore, hard c- concrete proof about mm-hmm. Hannah. At one point, Jirai told uh, Scratch, you know, you even killed that teenage girl a while back or something along those lines. And again, we're all assuming that's Hannah, but we have no concrete proof, but I feel like it's something worth mentioning. I, I feel like this is that wing and a prayer that we had. I, th- I think that's gotten a lot smaller. I really don't think that she's alive. I think that that really was Hannah. Mm-hmm. We still haven't gotten... Um, I feel like there was a point when we were, we were looking for like red hair. Like, did, did the girl have? Did Hannah have red hair? That's right. We yeah. don't know for sure, but if she did, because I remember um, Hope had the same color hair as Kalani's wife. I think is what it was, or his, or his Samantha. daughter, or something. Samantha. And I was hoping at that point they would not Hope. Um, Samantha. Her, there we go. Yeah. And so when when Kalani was talking to her at the you know the other tower, I was hoping they would say, "Oh, your red hair is so beautiful. It's just like da da da," but never happened. Right, and I so think that that's part of what Casey was doing to make us guess was give us the mm-hmm. hint, but don't actually come out and tell us. Thanks, Casey. We love you. God. All right. Um, so Witch Doctor has some theories about Bert. He says, without Bricks or Durai, how will they find Slash and or rescue Bert? Number one, Lizzie knows about Bert. Number two, Scratch may now use Bert as a bargaining chip. Number three, Gatekeeper may know something of Bert. When Victor says, quote, they have one of us, Gatekeeper responds with, quote, so that's what they've been hiding. But he was probably not talking about Lizzie. Lizzie is out in the open, not hidden. Bert and Angel were hidden away. Number four, it is reasonable to assume that the others in the colony know that something, someone, is being hidden by the Maulers. Especially if others have been in the stockade, where I assume Bert is kept near. 
Um, Bert's kept in the hospital somewhere, locked so? under lock and key, so it's not so much a stockade. Um, but yes, the thing that I really, really like, and what this is Witch Doctor, correct? Yes. What Witch Doctor pointed out was that sort of subtle, what we all would assume is Lizzie that he's mm-hmm. talking about. No, I, 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 I totally agree that he's talking about Bert. Mm-hmm. Uh, that gatekeeper means Bert when he says, "Oh, that's what they're hiding." Yeah, absolutely. Because again, Lizzie's out in the open. You know, she's hiding in plain sight, if you want to call it that. But mm-hmm. no, no, I think he's definitely thinking of Bert. I think so too. I'm sure you know they see a bunch of maulers or scratch going down there when coming out bloody. What's going on? Oh, nothing. Okay, what are they up to? Yeah. All right. We have some predictions for the future of We're Alive. Privateer says, I still think the Maulers have to take over the colony, for now at least. But given all of that, we have to go to Erwin within two weeks. We have to go going to Erwin in two weeks. I think when he's saying when we come back, we're going to Erwin and leaving that story as it is. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking he's saying, too. Um, let's see. Liam again says, and now that Scratch is in, well, full control, maybe she will be happy to see Bricks being dead. But what will she do about Lizzie being gone or hidden somewhere and meeting her at Bert's? And would her opinion have changed now that everything has changed? Lots of potential for awesome storytelling, I guess. Which Doctor says, next episode sounds like there will be quite a bit of action, unless the show picks up at Fort Irwin. At this point, with their foot in the door, no pun intended, a major cusp has been reached. The story can return to another setting, i.e. Fort Irwin, the same way we left there after discovering Tanya's bite. I've been wrong all along so far, but I'm predicting that we'll see Fort Irwin in the next chapter. That's an interesting conversation. I'm not sure how I really come down on it yet, because the... The way that it left off, yes, it could very well go to Fort Irwin, but at the same time, how does then Irwin retie into the colony? Because we know that Michael said, you know, the following events are called from blah, 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 whatever he said a few chapters back when we got the helicopter stuff. You know, how does, how does the, how does Fort Irwin know about the colony and what's going on there? Is it something that, Maybe they figure out what's going on with the sat phone, but then we're missing a whole bunch of story. Like, we're in the middle of a war. That's what I was saying. I can't see us going back to the colony until they retrieve the sat phone. I mean, not the colony. Uh, the the Fort Irwin. Yeah. Until they get the sat phone. Right. There, there's a lot still to cover there, and mm-hmm. I can see it going either way, but I really don't think that we're going to... If we're going to go to Fort Irwin, it's not going to be until after at least one full chapter part at the colony to resolve the conflict that's going and sort of put a structure back in place. Like, who's going to win out? Is it going to be Gatekeeper or is it going to be Scratch? Mm-hmm. Once that starts to sort of shake out, I think that's when we can move back there. And by the way, it's not going to be Gatekeeper because that doesn't tell a good story. No, and I I want to, kind of want to see um, Fort Irwin come to the colony as like a big rescue op. So, I mean, obviously, if, if the regular quote-unquote good guys take over the colony, then you, you won't have a need for that epic rescue. And I would love to see that. Exactly. That um, Merlin1274 says, I predict Bert will get to kill Scratch and inve- and avenge everyone else. There is still a major part of the story to be told with Fort Irwin and Boulder. We need to get back to that. Tribe Double uh, X says, I have this weird feeling we're going to come back in two weeks with Datu and Pigs living together. <laughs> <laughs> and now for something completely different. There 
There you go. And Zombie Kite says, although I'm glad that Lizzie and Saul have gotten the chance to hear one another's voice, I'm still concerned because Saul is still in the process of breaking in and not letting any zombies in at the same time. They're across the compound from one another, and a lot can happen in just a few minutes, like scratch reversing execution. I'm just hoping that in the confusion, Lizzie and Victor manage to get Bert out, wherein we learn that Bert's just a good shot with his other hand, wishful thinking, and Scratch gets to pry gets oh gets to try to pry out a slug from her brains. But I have to admit that was pretty badass, Scratch. Yeah, that was definitely badass, Scratch, and I have to say all that Bert stuff—that is definitely wishful thinking. Very wishful thinking. I. I think Bert's very fragile right now, so I don't know right. how he could just come out of this being a complete badass. We've seen him mentally broken down. It's not just so much physically, I think, as much as it is mentally right now. Yeah, I think the mental breaking is actually going to be a really big factor in it because he doesn't have Shirley anymore, and that was a really big part of his personality. And having not Shirley around anymore, I really <laughs> don't think that... Again, I've been saying for a very long time, I don't think Bert survives. I really don't think he survives. I really think that his purpose is to put Saul and Lizzie back together, and he's going to die in the process. The end. I really don't think he makes it. You know, I'm starting to lean that way. I really don't want to see Bert die, but uh, I can see it kind of becoming an avenge thing. Like, Lizzie, I'm so sorry I got you into this mess here. Let me sacrifice myself for you, and then boom. Right, and again, if... Just think of it, for all the people that want Bert to kill Scratch, think of it this way. Um, if Bert kills Scratch, that is an entire storyline we've invested two and a half seasons on now of Scratch wants to kill Pegs. It's gone. Why bother investing the time in it to tell that story if he's gonna go, if he's gonna just go and kill her? You know, the story would then revolve around him and Scratch, not Scratch trying to get to Pegs using Bert. Bert is a it, Bert is a means to an end. Yeah, I mean, ideally, I'd like to see Bert eventually. Okay, this is ideally. Ideally, I'd like to see Bert get out of the colony, you know, nurse his wounds and everything, and then have an epic showdown with Scratch or and kill Scratch. But like you said, that kills the Pegs thing. So I think, but in for a good story, I agree. I think Bert sadly needs to die, and I think that. Uh, the showdown between Scratch and Pegs. I, I definitely want to see more interaction between Bert and Scratch before he goes. Oh, yeah. I think that there's going to be something. I just don't think he's going to come out on top. Yeah. God, I hope he does, though. Ah! I don't know. This is why I don't write stories. Make I can't up think of this your shit. mind. I, I want him to happen. die. I don't want him to die. Make up your mind. Stop mm-hmm. sitting on the fence. Fence sitters get hurt. <laughs> God. I know. <sighs> so, anyway, there we go. That's what I have. All right. Well, there's a bunch of other reactions from around the world of us, and we're alive and we're not dead. Um, And we're going to read from the Facebook page. Um, Angus Isidore Rioch, I'll say his name is. Why not? I got the Angus and Isidore right, I think. Uh, So about this whole episode, he said, yeah, I saw it coming, but excellent, excellent execution. And although, spoilers alert... What was the deal with the shooting? Did gatekeepers dudes start it, or did the Mullers just start raining hell for no reason? It was kind of unclear. Also, Nick, nice prediction with the knife. Uh, after you said it, it def- I was definitely waiting for it in this episode. Aw, Blondie in the tank. <laughs> yes. Um, I think the shooting started from the Mullers, because... It, well, let me rephrase that. It had to have started from the Mullers, because gatekeepers men don't have guns. Because even the Guardians, they got swapped out. They would have had to turn their guns in because you can't have guns unless you're on the wall. So whoever started shooting, they're all people that are associated to the Maulers. Right. Th- that's I mean, my, that's my understanding like, of it. Who exactly are they shooting at? 
<sighs> well, they may know amongst themselves. I mean, it's not like there's a lot of them. There's only 30 Maulers at the colony. They would know probably who's loyal to Durai and who's loyal to Scratch. So maybe they started taking shots at them. Maybe they started taking shots at um, the colon- the original colony members, maybe? You know, yeah, it was just a cluster. I mean, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking now. Is, you know, it was more of like, who's loyal to who? We'll shoot that opposite person. Because I'm right, thinking, like, I'm- why would they just shoot little colony people just standing there like, do-do-do? I mean, they're obviously bastards, so, but... Yeah, I mean, I... Right. It, All it's right. It's the, the chaos of the moment. Who knows? Yeah. Um... Andrew Mansfield, also from Facebook. I can almost guarantee Casey will do just that, meaning actually he's in reference to another post saying we're going to go to Fort Irwin. Uh, I guarantee he's going to do just that. As we all know, uh, we are all anticipating what happens with Saul and Lizzie. Now would be the perfect time for him to switch to leave us all in suspense for another seven weeks, and I'm sure he does. The Fort Irwin crew will be left on a nasty cliffhanger. We can't wait to see the outcome of before he switches back to Saul and Lizzie. After two and a half seasons, you can almost expect it. And again, I... I just don't buy it quite yet. I think mm-hmm. we have more to deal with first and foremost. I, I think so, unless it kind of cuts back to like to Fort Irwin. It's like a snippet of like irrelevance going on of like what's going on with Tanya, blah blah blah, and then it cuts back to the war. But I like to see the war stuff play out first. I I really would too, and. It, again, it's it's so hard to know which way he's gonna go, and this is one of the reasons why predict, doing my like prediction blog was so hard. Because when you get to the end of the chapter, you know, there's one time I predicted all this stuff was gonna happen with like uh, the tower and Angel and Kalani, and then we spent the entire time at the colony with Michael and Tanya, and, <laughs> and I was like, wow, I got all my predictions wrong because he changed, he flipped the script and didn't even talk about these people exactly. At all. And the thing is, if he goes back to Fort Irwin and we do miss that story at the colony, it's gonna be perform it's gonna be executed so great. We'll be like, Oh that so he made that work out pretty darn good. Right. And if <laughs> if we do go to Fort Irwin, we're gonna end up get, we're gonna end up getting part of that story in a flashback. Because usually what his rule of thumb is is if it's not important, I'm not gonna show it to you. So that like four month gap that we missed from August to December, mm-hmm. nothing important happened. It, we didn't need to see it. So exactly. we skipped it. If we skip over this, I don't. Bl- I I just will not buy at all that nothing important happened from the point that Saul and Lizzie were talking to each other on the radio, mm-hmm. and you know something's we're gonna see it eventually. I just hope it's gonna be chapter thirty three and not you know chapter thirty five. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, from the Twitterverse. Uh, let's see, Pike Paw said, "I just want to note that I was completely right about Derive versus Scratch, even though it was obvious." <laughs> Again, yes. Um. Malone Lab 88 is the handle. Uh, again, uh, that was probably butchered. Uh, whoever called that extra knife genius, sad to see the big guy go, meaning bricks. Will the colony fully collapse or will Gatekeeper win? And again, I think we just covered that basic the idea. Gatekeeper is so gone. Gatekeeper. Sorry, he's not winning jack shit. That just would not be a good story. No, and uh, and also, you know, Victor made a point in 32 to say Gatekeeper looked defeated. And even when you hear the life in his voice when he's shouting to Saul and um, Bixby and whatever about mm-hmm. getting the gate when they gotten in uh, with the truck and the guns, you can you can hear the life in his voice. But I I just don't think that I I think that's like the adrenaline rush. I don't think he really has it anymore. Right, and the fact that he was like, you know, I've made some mistakes with Sean and da 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 and Marcus and blah, oh, you know, that was kind of like okay. I've, I fucked up. I'm ready to die now. 
Right, it's the same thing that happened with with Darai and what happens with a lot of the bad characters that, air quotes, bad characters, the evil characters that we encounter in We're Alive is, you know, Casey, make sure they're not one-dimensional. You you may not like Gatekeeper because he killed Sean and he led a coup against Marcus and wanted to kill Michael and Victor and blah, 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 blah. But he's a person and he's got very many different facets to his personality, including mm-hmm. being able to own up to his mistakes, which makes him a sympathetic character. And sympathy for characters and we're alive that you didn't have before usually doesn't lead to good things for that character. They usually (laughs) lead to getting a knife in the chest, a bullet in the head, or crashing a helicopter into a ground. Yeah. So he's in trouble as a character. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, do you have crickets outside of your place? I do. I I am. My window window is open because it was... uh, Not so much blistering hot, just like annoyingly warm, and Uh I had to turn, you know, the AC off, which usually drowns the crickets out, but listen to the sound of the crickets. Okay. It's it's a nice background noise, I hope, and hopefully not annoying. Um, And then we have a couple emails, because in addition to me me taking over the Twitter account, I'm going to start answering some emails, too. Good for you. <laughs> I feel so special. Um, so I went back through to like, the beginning of this calendar year and started responding to people. So if you, if you still listen to this podcast after eight months of sending in emails and then going, <laughs> they don't like me anymore. I'm not going to listen. Uh, hopefully you're still here and you um, answer. Um, Sean, uh, this is an email from July 10th. Yeah. Uh, a thought just came to me, and this is in reference to what we spoke about last time. Uh, in Family Ties Part 1, Scratch says that anyone who kills someone in the family will be killed in return. But didn't she just kill Angel? I wonder if Jirai knows what she's done. Mm-hmm. So there was someone so else that go. caught on to it. Answered. <laughs> There's someone else that caught on to it before, and the person that we had mentioned had thought of it on the forum was uh, Pharaoh AJ. Mm-hmm. That's the other person that we couldn't quite remember who it was. Uh, and then one final email from Chris McKee. I love the show, and by show, I mean We're Not Dead. It's an amazing <gasps> companion. Woohoo! It's an amazing companion to We're Alive, and I enjoy the experience of all the fan interaction. The only problem is that I'm somewhat in the past. I'm only on Chapter 21. This was sent in uh, June, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'm only on Chapter 21 listening to one We're Alive episode and one We're Not Dead each night, so I would assume by now he's caught up. And all I know is We're Not Dead ceased to exist in the present day. Yeah, sorry about that, Brosif. Um... What I ask is that you mention this email on one of your upcoming shows that I can be reminded I sent it months into the future or the past when I catch up to a series when I catch up to uh, season three. On this note, I wouldn't mind knowing what some of your fondest memories and regrets of your earlier shows were. My fondest memory was my first show. Aww. My biggest regret is every show after. Oh, I'm trying to think. Gosh, you know, I, I, we've been doing this for well, I've been doing it since what it was like January of 2011. Uh huh. And I was here since April, but I've been hit and miss because I've had you one since April. Wow, I can't believe it's been that long. I know. I was on like I think it was like my first episode was like episode twelve. Jeez, wow. But then I I was only. I mean, I I remember sitting down, like you know what, Nick would be a really good guest to have on, and da 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 da. -da. That's funny. It's been that long. Wow. Yeah. Um, Fondest memory. I would say it was re- always really fun uh, reenacting those scripts with Greg and like our guests that we would have <laughs> on, those fan scripts we'd get sent to us. 
Oh, those were so awkward to listen to. They were so awkward, but they were so funny. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and then uh, hearing about Reef System Inc. and something about putting octopuses in them. Octopi. (laughs) That was like an early, early episode. Yeah, that was was like in the episodes when Greg's mic didn't work. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Good times. But no, we, we have fun always and forever on the We're Not Dead podcast. Uh, I would say my real fondest memory is talking to Kevin and Jenna, the two interviews that oh, I've been absolutely. a part of. They were definitely the best parts. Interviewing, um, uh, interviewing um, Jim Gleason was, is always fun. It's always a trip. <laughs> I didn't get to be around for that one, but I know you two have been fighting on Facebook ever since. Yep. <laughs> like you do. It's love fighting. Awesome. Um, well, thanks for sending an email. And now, Nick, where can people send emails? They can send it to we're not dead podcast at gmail.com. Yes, or WND pod, WND at zombiepodcast.com. Whatever yes. one you want to use, you go uh, for it. Do they both end up in the same spot? They'll end up in the same spot. Oh, wonderful. So pick your favorite, and eventually I, we, I might find it. I think we have like three or four email addresses, but be, uh, the only ones that come to mind, like I said, are we're not dead podcast at gmail.com and WND at zombiepodcast.com. And again, pick your poison. WND Podcast on Twitter, and you find Britt at Britt5091, yes. and me at Nick Voodoo, N-I-K-V-O-O-D-O-O. There we go! So, there Nick, go. thanks for coming on again, because, I mean, you are the co-host, so I would assume you would come on, but... Yeah, one would hope. Yeah! Yeah! Cutting out for the win, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm All still right, here! so, for Nick and for me, thank you for listening to We're Not Dead, and we're out. Bye! 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 <laughs>